Welcome to the 1909, your home with the state news for everything happening on campus and around Lansing. I'm Lily Gwinney. This week, we're going to dive into a big news recap covering shifts in local businesses, updates in MSU policy, and a significant speech by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. So let's get into it. Gretchen Whitmer gave her yearly State of the State address on Wednesday night, so when this airs, it will actually have been January 25th, um, just for reference, in which she outlined key goals surrounding education proposals and tax relief. The address to the joint session of the state legislature was the first to be conducted in person in the House chamber since 2019, and marks Whitmer's first major appearance after being inaugurated for her second term. Ahead of the speech, Whitmer promised to lay out plans to help Michiganders deal with inflation, the rising cost of living, and access to education. She used the address to announce two major pieces of policy, the Lowering My Costs Plan and Make It in Michigan. The Lowering My Costs Plan encompasses much of Whitmer's economic priorities for the state, including eliminating the pension tax, expanding tax credits for low-income and working families. Whitmer also asked to make the Great Start Readiness Program universal so as to allow all four-year-olds in Michigan to attend free public preschool. Should the program expand, Whitmer said it would save families on average around $10,000 a year in child care costs. Whitmer touted economic accomplishments, including the arrival of battery plants in Big Rapids and Van Buren Township expected to create several hundred jobs. Whitmer devoted large sections of her speech to education topics, ranging from paying student teachers to curbing gun violence in schools. She said she hopes to expand upon education advances from her first term with programs to provide students with personalized one-on-one support to recover from loss of instructional time due to COVID-19. Republican response to the speech was mixed. House Minority Leader Matt Hall said in a statement that the address was, quote, nothing more than a stump speech, light on details and void of ideas to deliver on the priorities of the people of Michigan. Other GOP legislators said they felt more optimistic about the governor's plans for the new term. Representative John Roth of Traverse City said that there were several topics in the speech he saw as opportunities for bipartisan cooperation. House Speaker Joe Tate of Detroit said his caucus is excited to get to work making the policy plans Whitmer discussed a reality. With a slim Democratic majority, Tate said the first priority of the legislature in coming weeks will be tax relief bills. Whitmer discussed bolstering the earned income tax credit, which she referred to as the Working Families Tax Credit. She said this expansion would provide federal and state tax refunds to approximately 700,000 families. While Whitmer's address centered on economic and workplace issues, one notably absent topic was Democrats' plans to repeal right-to-work laws to the benefit of labor unions. Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist said that even though it wasn't present in the speech, The issue of union support is still at the top of Democrats' list of priorities. With the State of the State address completed, Democrats will release their proposed budget for the upcoming year within the coming weeks, which will include appropriations for most of the plans proposed during Whitmer's address. Now on to some MSU news. As the spring semester begins, students are adjusting to the life changes and course stress of being on campus again. Unfortunately, countless factors bring distress to students during this time of year. Counseling and Psychiatric Services, or CAPS, strives to provide students with mental health services to optimize their physical and mental well-being in light of the challenges the semester can bring. CAPS can be found on MSU's campus on the third floor of the Olin Health Center. Licensed psychologist and CAPS director Mark Petishnak said that students tend to feel overwhelmed this time of year, reporting significant levels of stress, anxiety, depression, and isolation. 
These responses were compounded by the years of the pandemic and the responsibilities students had, along with the tragedies and losses many students endured. Petitnok said that January, February, and March are months with an increased risk for suicide. With an influx of students, challenges arise for CAPS. The offices handle these challenges by prioritizing specific service services. First up are crisis services. Along with short-term exchanges, CAPS provi- provides 24-7 crisis resources like virtual crisis counseling. To access, students can call 517-355-8270 and press 1. There is also an alternative crisis line for sexual assault at 517-372-6666. After crisis service, initial access is the next priority for CAPS staff. Students can visit the CAPS website for an initial consultation with a counselor. With limited schedule time, CAPS has difficulty balancing the assistance for a large number of students. Since its opening in 2018, CAPS has experienced a 60% to 70% increase in students who've reached out for help. At any given time, 30 to 40% of all students that ask CAPS for help reported having suicidal thoughts in the last two weeks. Free relationship counseling is also offered for two or more people to gain insight into each other and discover beneficial methods of communication. CAPS also holds a diverse staff, letting students select their preferences for the race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, and religion of their counselor to allow for maximum comfort. So if you're anything like me, um, which a lot of people are, being caffeinated is a must. And to my fellow coffee lovers, we've got some exciting news about upcoming changes to the MSU library. So MSU supplies its students with multiple branded restaurants across campus, including two Starbucks locations. Each coffee shop has snaking lines at almost all hours of operation, making it seemingly possible to ever receive express service. Although students like the business, the jam-packed pathways at the Wells Hall location make it difficult to navigate to and from classes, with many rooms exceeding capacities of over 500 people. If you've ever been late to class because you were so close and yet so far from the front of the Wells Starbucks line, you know what we're talking about. So the decided solution for this issue is to move the location to the MSU library. In terms of picking a specific location in the library, the process may be a little easier. According to MSU officials, the Starbucks will be placed on the existing footprint of the library Sparties, just with a revamped design. The idea is to close the Wells Hall Starbucks and the Sparties in the library and start the renovation. The Starbucks will hopefully be open right before next fall semester. On East Kalamazoo Street sits Eastside Lansing Food Co-op, or ELFCO, a new food cooperative dedicated to providing fresh produce to the community at a wide range of prices, something I know I'll be checking out the next time I go grocery shopping. Upon entrance, customers will see the shelves lined with fruits and vegetables picked from local Michigan farms. Wood tables hold a spread of breads and bagels made by local bakers. Elfco manager Sally Potter described business as, quote, a slice of success. A previous iteration of the store had been located in East Lansing, called the East Lansing Food Co-op. However, that store was closed, forced to close due to lack of business in 2017. Potter said part of the store's success is in its location, as the business is positioned in a neighborhood where many can't afford their own vehicles. She said, quote, it's easier for a lot of them. It's closer for a lot of neighbors to walk here than to downtown Lansing or to Kroger. It's on a main drag on Kalamazoo Street. It's got decent sidewalks, easy parking, so all the elements are set up for it to work, and it's working. 
Potter said Lansing's east side community is very diverse, which is why Elfco aims to have a wide variety of prices. When the store opened, the staff set up a payment system that did not process electronic forms of the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, more commonly called food stamps. However, the store changed the payment system used in-store and has been accepting food stamps for around four weeks. Potter said that around 20% of the store's sales are now from food stamps. Produce manager Milton Shoup said the store tries to provide most of its produce for Michigan farmers, with the only setback being the seasonality of certain crops. When it comes to deciding prices, Shoup said the process is a partnership between Elfco and the community. He said the store tries to keep the prices customers pay around the same price that the store buys from farmers. The store, however, is not a workers' cooperative owned by employees, but a customers' cooperative. Potter said customers pay an annual fee and can attend board meetings to say what direction they want the staff to take the store. Shoup's goals for the store include making sure it is grounded within the community of not just Lansing's east side, but Greater Lansing itself. If you're grocery shopping on a student budget but still hoping to get healthy, sustainably sourced products, making a trip to Elfco could be a game changer. In other East Lansing news, East Lansing High School was placed on a shelter-in-place lockdown at 10 a.m. on January 24th as a report of an on-site weapon was investigated. Students remained in their classrooms during the lockdown. According to the East Lansing Community Council Parent-Teacher Organization, the administration confirmed the shelter-in-place was lifted at 11.40 a.m., and thankfully nobody was harmed. The Associated Students of MSU hosted Interim President Teresa Woodruff at its first meeting of the semester. Woodruff's main goal was to convey to the student body that she supports them. She emphasized that she hears students and wants to ensure that the university is as safe as welcoming and it, safe and welcoming as it can possibly be. She spoke on different initiatives that she has been paying attention to within fields like diversity, equity, inclusion, and relationship to violence and sexual misconduct. She said the university will be breaking ground on a new freestanding cultural center on campus in coming months. After her presentation, two attorneys from Student Legal Services shared about the services they offer. Their priority is helping students on campus with legal needs completely free of cost. Their services also educate students about their own legal issues so they have the skills needed to handle situations on their own. In other MSU news, results from the second-ever Know More survey show a decline in rates of sexual harassment, sexual assault, workplace incivility, and other harm experienced by members of the campus community since 2019. The survey was introduced in 2019 as a way to assess perceptions, policy, and culture surrounding relationship violence and sexual misconduct, or RVSM, on campus. The second iteration of the survey was sent to all undergraduate students, graduate and professional students, faculty and staff in the spring of 2022. More than 11,500 surveys were completed and analyzed. In an email releasing the survey results to the MSU community, Interim President Woodruff thanked Spartans for, quote, working together to foster an environment that is more respectful to each other and is supportive of survivors. Data was categorized into three gender identity groups based on self-reported identities, cisgender woman, cisgender cisgender man, and transgender and or non-binary. Transgender and non-binary respondents were grouped together in, quote, an effort to create groups with enough respondents to enable analysis, the report said. All data refers to the 2021-2022 academic year. Sexual harassment was the most prevalent form of victimization experienced by students across all gender groups. The survey showed 61% of undergraduate cisgender women, 35.7% of undergraduate cisgender men, 
and 72.8% of undergraduate cisgender or non-binary students reporting sexual harassment. The survey also asked about specific types of sexual harassment students had or had not experienced. The most common types of sexual harassment reported were, quote, inappropriate or offensive comments about your or somebody else's body, appearance, or sexual activities, and, quote, someone referring to people of your gender in insulting or offensive terms. The second most prevalent form of victimization was intimate partner violence, experienced by 13% of cisgender women undergraduates, 8.1% of cisgender men undergraduates, and 17.3% of transgender or non-binary undergraduates. For undergraduate cisgender women, sexual assault was the third highest reported victimization, with 11.8% of students reporting at least one experience of assault. For undergraduate cisgender men and transgender or non-binary graduates, stalking was more prevalent than sexual assault. A total of 3% of undergraduate cisgender men experienced stalking, while 2.8% experienced sexual assault. A total of 15.7% of transgender or non-binary undergraduates reported experiencing stalking, compared to 10.6% who reported sexual assault. The survey results note that within experiences of sexual assault, sexual battery was more common than rape across all gender categories. While comparisons to the 2019 results are somewhat imperfect due to the fact that gender identity information was collected differently in 2022, in 2019, transgender men and women were grouped together with cisgender men and women, and few results were presented separately for those who identified as genderqueer or non-binary. Since 2019, the prevalence of all forms of victimization during the academic year has decreased for both male and female undergraduate students. For undergraduate women, sexual assault experiences have decreased by 1.1 percentage points, and sexual harassment experiences have decreased by 4.5 points. For undergraduate men, sexual assault decreased by 0.7 points and sexual harassment by 6.5 points. For male and female undergraduates, the rates of disclosing a sexual harassment experience to a friend, classmate, or family member has increased since 2019. Undergraduate women are also more likely to disclose a sexual assault to a roommate, friend, or family member than they were in 2019. Male and female faculty and staff all experienced less workplace sexual harassment in 22 than 2022 than 2019. Male faculty rates dropped 5.5 percentage points, and male staff showed a decrease of 6.4 points. Female faculty rates decreased by 6.4 points, and female staff by 8.4. By analyzing transgender and non-binary students, faculty, and staff separately from their cisgender male and female counterparts, the 2022 survey showed this group as a whole is more likely to experience victimization. In an email, Woodruff noted this as an area that requires, quote, ongoing work and diligence. Now for our couple minutes of just good news. Over 100 buildings on campus now have complimentary menstrual product dispensers, thanks to an initiative produced by the MSU chapter of Mission Menstruation. Before the implementation of the new initiative, only 10 to 15 locations on campus offers students free menstrual products, according to Residence Education and Housing Services Associate Director for Communications, Bethany Balks. Mission Menstruation brought an official proposal to Student Life and Engagement, or SLE, and Infrastructure Planning and Facilities, or IPF, requesting dispensers be added to all women's and all gender restrooms in residence halls and student-facing buildings. Balk said the initiative is about 97% complete and is expected to be fully implemented by the end of January. Dispensers have been installed in first-floor bathrooms of all residence halls, 
but still need to be installed in a few buildings, including the Student Union and Olin Health Center. SLE and IPF are also in the process of creating a map showing students where they are able to access complimentary products on campus. Currently, the SLE website has has a list of where dispensers have been installed, so the next time that you're about to send a frantic text to your group chat asking if anyone is in the area and has a tampon, jump on the SLE website and check if your location has free menstrual products available. Mission Menstruation was one of several student organizations that have expressed concern for menstrual product accessibility on campus. ASMSU, RHA, the Women's Advisory Committee for Support Staff, and the Gender and Sexuality Campus Center have also worked with MSU to support the initiative. Members of the group say that the placement of free menstrual products on campus is an important step forward in supporting student well-being. And that is it for our episode of the 1909 today. Thanks for listening, and tune in every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Signing off from East Lansing, I'm Lily Gwinnie.